so moving on to how you might manage someone with rheumatoid arthritis, I think the key thing really is to have a multidisciplinary team approach. Management should really be patient-led and you need to treat patients holistically. More and more, management is becoming aggressive and aggressive and we're aiming to get remission as soon as possible. Patients with rheumatoids should have access to a rheumatologist they need to have access to them. And in way, in sort of hand in hand with that, they should have the number of a helpline to their rheumatology department so that they can gain easy access to help when they need it. A lot of the management decisions depend on what their DAS 28 score is, and we're aiming for that score to be less than 2.6 for them to be classed as being in remission. So in terms of sort of talking about non-pharmacological treatment, so key things would be making sure that they have adequate information and education on their disease. So Versus Arthritis website is fantastic. It's also really important that they have access to a physiotherapist, occupational therapy and podiatry. And there's also a lot of like schemes where you can for sort of emotional and psychological support for patients who, who have rheumatoid arthritis, which is really beneficial to them. Moving on to pharmacological treatment. So for the rheumatoid arthritis, we usually start with obviously disease modifying agents. So disease modifying anti-rheumatic drugs or DMARDs. And the first line would be methotrexate plus, yeah, hydroxychloroquine, sulfasalazine or leflunamide. And sometimes they might need some bridging glucocorticoid treatment as well. So sometimes, for example, at presentation, if they're really suffering with their joints, you might want to give them an IM depot injection of steroids just to kind of tie them over for the next few months while you start them on disease modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. You then want to assess the response quite soon after you start that treatment. So usually like three to six months afterwards. And again, you're reassessing them, checking their DAS28 score and making sure that hopefully they have had a disease response, a disease response, a, a response to their, to their treatment. So in, in terms of like an early inflammatory arthritis, so a new diagnosis of arthritis, like like you said, Sana, we're, we're, we're trying to be very aggressive and trying to make sure that this doesn't progress because nowadays there are so many treatments and so many options available that it shouldn't lead to the deformities that we used to see for us, but there used to be in, in, the, in the past. And so we're quite aggressive with treatment, like you said. Methotrexate, hydroxychloroquine first line, obviously there's no contraindications and we spoke about that previously. Glucocorticoids, because that can generally be in injection forms so and an intramuscular injection is definitely, sometimes it can be in tablet form, but it's, it's just easier. You take a, a one uh, injection and it lasts for, for weeks as opposed to taking a tablet every day, which is, it, it, do, it does reduce the pill burden. Because remember, these are newly diagnosed, relatively young patients that suddenly go from maybe zero meds to loads including steroids it's just it's, it's a lot and so we are quite aggressive so initially it should really be sort of depending on the local service but you should be seeing them every sort of six to eight weeks trying to titrate their medication so you start off on a relatively modest dose depending on how aggressive your local services are of methotrexate and every time you see them you're assessing their disease activity thinking about another uh, injection or some more good corticoids they're very active and increasing the methotrexate dose there's always up titrating the medication. So generally I start methotrexate at 15 milligrams once a week with folic acid support once a week on an alternative day, not near. And you increase, so you can increase from 15 to 17.5 to 20 to up to 25 max. It depends on, on the patient and uh, how, how they're tolerating the medication. Brilliant, thank you. And then I guess if despite that treatment, patients are still still have active disease and in particular if they have a DAS 28 score of over 5.1 I think traditionally it's been at, at two separate time points a certain number of weeks apart then you you end up that's on the maximum tolerated dose of those 
treatments, then you would, that's at the point at which you would think about starting to introduce a biologic. So first line would be an anti-TNF. And if still, despite that, they're not having a good response, then you might need to think about a different biologic. So things like rituximab and tocilizumab and so on. So, so to add to that slightly, um, so you have to fail to, if, if, you, if you've got a persistently severe DAS score, so above 5.1, like you said, and you've had, you failed two conventional DMARs, so conventional DMARs being methotrexate, hydroxychloroquine, sulfasalazine, leflunomide, uh, and you've still got active disease, that's when you would be eligible for escalation to a biologic. And there's a whole screening criteria, it has to go through a, through a virtual clinic, but it, it's, it's, it's a very uh, regimented process, but it's rightly done. So, so you're not, you know, going to reactivate things like TB or, or worse and so you generally depending again on the on the local policy generally just because they're a bit cheaper now compared to before because of patent bias anti-tnfs are generally first and then you can go on to depending on the comorbidities you've got which we may talk about later but if you've got something like lung disease then rituximab might be a bit better or abatacept might be a bit better than than tnf you shouldn't really use tns if, if you've got institutional disease if you have significantly raised inflammatory markers and you could think about tocilizumab but there are there's all these little contraindications to all of them so tocilizumab you can't have if you've got diverticulitis or previous perforation so so there's little caveats to everything and it's probably outside of the scope of this talk because it's quite complicated but the, the thing to also note is that the newer medications the jack inhibitors the janus so they they inhibit jack one two three and there's more selective or sort of non-selective jack inhibitors and they they're kind of changing how we treat patients because they're oral they're tablets that you can take and obviously you don't have to inject yourself every week every two weeks every month whatever and so they're, they're preferred over to, to the tns sometimes but they are new so we don't have as much safety data as we do for TNS because they've been around for a long, long time. Interestingly, now in the last few years, year, if you've got moderate disease activity now, you can qualify for an anti-TNF. So that the idea is, like we said before, you're trying to treat patients more aggressively. Actually, is it fair if we've got really good medicines and we've got loads of them? Is it fair to then say you need a DAS of over 5.1? So they've lowered it now to moderate disease activity. So if you've got a, a DAS score of over 3.2, you could be eligible for some anti-TNFs or depending on the local area, one of the JAK inhibitors as well. So that's relatively new. So that's in, in, a good note to, to say, but also if you read up about it, it's new, nice guidance, then it is useful to, to show that you're up to date um, in, in the interview or you know, useful in clinical life, like we've been saying throughout. That's really helpful. Thanks, Samir. And then I guess the final kind of thing to think about when you're managing these patients is try to address their comorbidities. So Patients who have rheumatoid arthritis are at an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, hypertension, and osteoporosis. So it's really important that you address smoking, their weight, and these cardiovascular risk factors and, and treat them holistically. So, yeah. I think that's, that's really nicely addressed by what, what should be an annual review clinic. And it's one of the sort of guidelines, which is, is, a, is a really nice measure of trying to treat people as a, as a, in a holistic way. So the annual review clinic, so once a year, patients with rheumatoid arthritis should be assessed, not in terms of their rheumatoid arthritis, but also in, in their other comorbidities. So you should do a Q-risk score, because as, as you've said, you've got um, more cardiovascular risk factors and, and RA part makes up part of the Q-risk score. Um, you're checking things like cholesterol as well in, in, in regards to that and starting a statin if need be. Osteoporosis is a big one, because obviously 
being a patient with RA already increases your risk of osteoporotic fractures. Taking the steroids, uh, depending on how much you've taken and whatnot, also increases the risk. So annual frac scores, DEXs, if need be, and smoking cessation, monitoring height, weight, that kind of stuff. And as, as the population ages, as the patient in front of you ages throughout time, it's a really useful way to just to keep, keep a whole track of everything that's going on. And I think it's a really good thing that we do in our clinics. Lovely. So thank you very much for listening. I just also want to reference the Oxford Handbook of Rheumatology and the Oxford Handbook of Clinical Medicine, which is where I got a bit of my information from. Thank you very much for listening. Great. Thanks, Anna. Bye-bye. Thanks, Amir. Bye.